Welcome to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable with your host, Mindy Harley. Warning, listening to this podcast might cause you to shatter your limited beliefs, recognize your potential and motivate you to be the best you can be. Other side effects may include, but not limited, to grabbing life by the balls, taking no crap from anyone, becoming an unstoppable force at various aha moments to get you thinking outside the box. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable and today's guest has got to be the absolute epitome of being unfuckwithable. I am so honored to have on the show with me today, Michelle Salt, who is a Canadian Paralympic snowboarder who has just come back from Pyeongchang. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know, it's I'm honored to even have you on the show. Um, as, I, as I mentioned before to you when we were talking, I just see so much magic and inspiration in your story and I am huge on looking back and connecting the dots, especially when you've gone through so much stuff in your life, but you, you come out to this the the peak of the mountain and you know, you're you're looking down at, at everything at the at the world below you and where you've come, the trail that you've just finished blazing. And, you know, sometimes I think that it just makes you just smile to yourself and know that, you know, everything was there, there was so much magic in it. And because of this, because of your story, maybe you should, um, of course, I, I'm not going to tell the guests, but I, I've got a little bit of, you know, part, parts of your story hit home with me um, because, of, because of your past. And, you know, let's, let's bring the guests up to speed about, you know, everything that happened before kind of 2011, who you, who you were and what brought you up to that point, um, that monumental point in your life where everything changed sure well i you know i'm a small town kid i grew up on a game farm i wasn't very popular in schools very awkward and shy and but i was athletic and i think sports allowed for me the opportunity to to meet new friends and to put myself out there when i was 13 i jumped on a snowboard and i was like yeah this is it you know for a tomboy there wasn't a lot of girls in the sport at the time i'm like yeah this is my sport i pushed myself you know as much as i could i got a, a job at the local ski hill to uh, so i had the opportunity to ride as much as i i wanted to in order to become a pro snowboarder which was my goal um and it, yeah it was great but you know as, as life went on so did, uh, you know, becoming an adult and um, responsibilities. So I put becoming a pro snowboarder on the back burner. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, I got married really young. Um, that didn't work. So I put my focus into a business that I started. And I had brought on a business partner probably about like, I don't want to say eight, eight months in because he just he knew that the business had potential and he wanted to see it grow yeah it didn't take very long for for us to expand and to hire employees and things were looking really good and then you know in july of 2009 i got a call um from his phone and i answered it and it was his wife and she um told me that he had died in a motorcycle accident. Oh, so, wow. you know, in, 
yeah, so in a short period of time, I had, you know, I was kind of forced to start over again, and I went to Haiti to volunteer, and, you know, that was good. I came back with a really heavy heart. I was going to return to Haiti. Um, this was about, you know, seven months after the the earthquake that killed mm-hmm. uh, over 200,000 people. And, yeah, that was, you know, was my goal was to go back. I it, Ironically, I had never worked with disabled people. And this was the orphanage I ended up staying at in Haiti was the only orphanage that took disabled kids. Huh. And so, yeah, and so I didn't really understand at the time why I was put there, but I, yeah. I understand now. Yeah. I, I very yeah. much understand now. These kids were so resilient and happy. Given their circumstances, they made the most of it, and they didn't really know any other way, and it was very inspiring. I just got goosebumps. So I, <laughs> My yeah. whole body is covered in goosebumps, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I came home, and I was like, hey, well, you know, I I, I put my health on the back burner over the years, um, you know, dealing with depression and anxiety from, you know, the, the, from my business partner passing away and my divorce. And so I'm like, it's time to, you know, get my, my health um, back in check. So I'm going to do a fitness competition. I had been a big runner prior to that. Yeah. And my knees just weren't happy with me anymore. <laughs> So I figured, yeah, yeah the, the gym is where it's at. I've always enjoyed being in the gym since I was like 13 years old. It was a part of being athletic for me. And so twice a day, you know, you know exactly how it is. Twice a day, mm-hmm. um, you know, the dieting, chicken, rice, green beans. Um, and for those those 16 weeks, I dieted and I cut and things were looking up. I was starting to have that confidence. I you know, had a great posing coach and that Milbert and um, a lot of the, the pros in the industry were like, yeah, this is, you know, you have the body type. So did my first fitness competition. I finished fourth overall and I was going to go for my pro card. And yeah. Then, yeah. And then, you know, June, June 27th happened. Now, were you, now you had already, you already watched your, you know, your, your business partner, your, your friend, he passed away in a motorcycle accident. So you had no fear of getting onto a motorcycle. No, I think that there was always a fear. But for me, my fear was more being paralyzed. No, I yeah. didn't really think as much about death. I wasn't, you know, I told myself that I wasn't going to be reckless. Yeah. And that didn't last very quickly, unfortunately. Um, you know, I got on it and it was just the adrenaline junkie in me just came right out. And I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, this is awesome. I knew Arthur always told me that he loved his motorcycle, and no matter what happened to him, that he would, if he died on his motorcycle, he died doing what he loved. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was like, well, he loved it. There's there's something special about that freedom when you get on a motorcycle that mm-hmm. I'm going to buy a bike. And I bought a CBR 600, which is not a beginner's bike. I know that now. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I got on the bike, and it was a beautiful day that day. I had only had my bike for, like, 12 days. Um, Wasn't planning on, you know, driving crazy, but for whatever reason, I tried to keep up with my friends, and we were going quite fast. Um, We got to this small town. I was like, guys, we we can't drive like this. Like, this is one of us is going to lose our licenses again not thinking that anyone's going to get hurt yeah and uh 
Yeah. And then we got to this other small town, which I live in now, Cochrane, just outside of Calgary. And for whatever reason, we they decided to open up going up the hill and me being the tomboy that I am, wanted to keep up. And at 120 kilometers an hour, I hit my back brake and my bike laid down. Yeah. And that's when I hit the guardrail head first, did cartwheels in the air and hit the guardrail again. I broke almost every bone in both my legs. I compound bilateral tibsis fractures. I shattered my pelvis, my hips, L4, L5, clavicle, punctured lung, bruised my spleen. And when I broke my right femur in two places, it severed my femoral artery. So I was bleeding out. Yeah. And, you know, I had, I had strangers lay on the ground with me on the pavement. And they they called STARS, which is our, our air um, helicopter. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yep. our air ambulance that picks yep. us up. And these people, this one lady was a nurse, an ER nurse, and she knew I wasn't going to survive. Well, you know, at that time, she's like, it's, it's, like, when you, normally when you sever that artery, it's, it's 10 to 15 minutes max. But the cool thing is, and you know, you said that the dots align. Yeah. Is that because my heart was strong from my fitness competition that I did a month and a half before, I lived 23 minutes bleeding out. Yay for fitness competitions. <laughs> I know, right? Just no, for being healthy, no. not even yeah. for the competition, just yeah. for the, being healthy. And the doctors, and another cool thing too is because I had muscle and I was in good shape, um, originally they asked me, because I had broke my back, they asked me if I was in pain and I said no, but I can't feel my legs. And so they thought I was paralyzed and they brought me into the hospital. I lost a total of 28 units of blood, which is three times what my body holds. I was on life support for seven days. And in the end, I lost 75% of my right leg. Um, But because of my muscle, because of my body armor, I was not paralyzed. And I can still very much walk today. Yeah, yeah. snowboard and do the things that I love <laughs> yes exactly it's, oh, that is amazing you know just just the fact of just being healthy you know was that extra insurance on your body that purchased that you know extra little bit of time for you to survive you know and yeah. I I you know I, I recall you saying too that you actually experienced an out-of-body experience when you were okay. Yeah, tell tell me about that. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting because I've met you know other amputees over the years and people who have had um you know very close calls like fatal near fatal accidents. Mm-hmm. And when they tell me about their out of body experiences, they're always very peaceful. Like they're walking down a white hallway and they sit down with somebody that who who has passed and they're like it's not your time. And they come back and in that moment they're able to like escape the fire or they're able to find the strength to pull themselves from out of the under the vehicle. My experience wasn't peaceful at all. And I think that maybe it's just because I have this fight or flight in me, this attitude where it's like, okay, when I'm scared, that's when, that's when I react and that's when I'm my strongest. And so I remember coming out of my body, looking down at myself and I had all of these broken bones sticking out my torso was a different direction than my lower body. I was covered in blood. And I remember being petrified and thinking, no, 
I'm not going to die today. Today is not my day to die. Yeah. And it was in that moment that my STARS medics um, and nurse had said, we lost your vitals. And then you came back and you started talking to us. And and given, like, I'm losing a lot of blood, I'm in shock. But yet, yeah. and I have a head injury, too. I've hit a guardrail head first going 120. Yeah. And, uh, and But yet, I can, I'm giving them my mom's phone number. I'm having conversations <laughs> with them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was it was pretty cool that that just kind of kicked in that um that fight for life and you know, obviously the the willingness and the desire to live. Yeah. And I mean, does that change at all like now that you walk around and you've got the you know, you've had this, you know, out of body experience and you talk to other people, has that changed anything about the way you you feel about our existence in this universe or I mean, does that Oh, like do you that, that, yeah. yeah yeah well and here and here's something that's that's kind of interesting um a, a good friend of mine who actually was the one that taught me how to snowboard um mm-hmm. he passed away a year after my accident and often i dream about my my out-of-body experience and it, it was that that very um scary feeling and so it was more of like a nightmare a bit traumatizing yeah and he passed away in Thailand, and he wasn't – they weren't able to bring his body back. So his poor family had to cremate or had to Skype his cremation. They couldn't oh. be there for that. And they didn't have a lot of closure. Yeah. And they weren't able to, like, have a proper funeral for him until, you know, a couple months later. Mm. And in that time, I about three weeks after he passed, I had this dream of – seeing myself, you know, my out-of-body experience, but from the second I started dreaming about it, I was at peace. And so I'm looking down at my body, and then I look up, and I see Nathan standing there with his skateboard next to him, and he said, tell my family I'm okay. Oh, more chills. Yeah. And so I think that part of me is just, like, a little more understanding of what's on the other side now, Mm -hmm. and not as fearful to to pass when it's my time to go it's my time to go but at the same time I'm very very grateful to be alive and I think that gives me a perspective and an appreciation that maybe not a lot of people have um I don't know yeah it definitely changed I was I was pretty superficial before and um, you know, I think that sometimes like doing fitness competitions can do that to you if you allow yourself to go there. Yeah. Um, and I, well, if you do, if you allow yourself to go there. Yeah, if you not, allow yourself to go there. Saying, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not everybody in the industry is like that at all. But there is, I think that, you know, it, it is possible to get there and to be obsessed with how you look. And yeah. so that's exactly the point that I was at before my accident was like, I just cared so much about how I looked and how others looked. And I became um, very judgmental. And so to wake up in the hospital bed, looking down at yourself covered because they cut me open everywhere. I had a gaping hole in my leg. And so I'm covered in staples. I'm missing 75% of my leg. And I just remember thinking, I look like a voodoo doll. And nobody's yeah. going to love me like this. And so, the you know, the the interesting part of my journey has been learning to love myself again, covered yeah. in scars, yeah. missing a leg. Um, 
yeah, and so that I think that perspective has changed more than anything else. Seeing, you know, beauty from from the inside out. And I know it sounds cliche and kind of cheesy, but there's a lot to um, just, you know, kind of appreciating actions more than the physical aspect of someone. Yeah, no, totally. And I mean, do you feel that, like looking back now, because obviously it's been many, many years since the accident, you know, lots have come, you've obviously grown and everything. Can can you say, and I, and I don't mean this in any, and I think I can say this to you without it being taken the wrong way, but looking back now, do you feel that your accident was a positive catalyst for change that maybe you might have kept cycling and being that same person if it wasn't for something? Else? Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I let myself get washed away in that, um, you know, that vain mindset, and mm-hmm. I think that I would have probably just pursued it more for the wrong reasons and yeah. continue to do, you know, competitions. And, um, you know, at that point I wanted to be on the cover of a fitness magazine. And the cool <laughs> thing is that thanks to my accident and thanks to still wanting to be in good shape, I've been on the cover of fitness magazines as an amputee covered in scars. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, it, it happened I don't necessarily say it happened for a reason, but it was a blessing in disguise that I was able to kind of, you know, that, that for that to happen. And um, I'm not necessarily a religious person, but I believe almost like the universe is trying to teach me a lesson. Yeah. Yeah, totally. No, I, I, I feel the same. And I kind of, like I said, that's where I'm, that's why I had to ask you that as well. Cause you know, it's, I think, I think you've, I think you and I like are on the same page with all that. And yeah, to be able to look back now and be like, yeah, like that really put me in a better direction. And look, you still accomplished all of your goals that you set out for yourself. You still are now, now you've made it, you're in the Paralympics, you know, and what was the process of getting to that? Like what, like when did, when did the, you know, the training and everything happen for that? Like how many months did you wait after getting out of the hospital to be like, all right, let's go. Oh, man. So I, you know, you're very goal oriented. Um, so you understand when you set yeah. your mind to something, you go for it. And so I'm in the hospital and I had come out of off life support day seven and the bone doctor comes in the, the next day, the day eight. And he's like telling me about how his neighbor's missing two legs and drives and goes to university. And I'm like, why are you telling me this story? And that was when my doctor had told me about my leg. I was in and out of an induced coma. My family thought that maybe I had remembered going into my amputation surgery, but I had not. No, yeah. I asked, you know, a ton of questions. And because I was on life support and I couldn't communicate and I couldn't tell my family, like, I, I need time to myself to process this, they would sit by my side and they'd tell me, like, you're going to do big things with your life. We know you're going to have an amazing life. Yeah. And I think because of that, it fuels a fire. So. Uh. It didn't take very long, actually, a matter of hours for, I think someone had mentioned, like, oh, yeah, you can be an athlete now. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be a Paralympian. <laughs> and so everyone's like, hey, you're heavily medicated. We're going to come back to this. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no, this this is it. I want to become a Paralympian. So I went on the website, picked out a couple sports that I wanted to pursue. Well, while you're still in the hospital bed? <laughs> oh, you like broken. I hadn't even. Like, we're talking months before I had even walked yet. Oh boy. Um, 
you know, days, days after my accident, but I knew that I needed a goal to keep myself sane and to get yeah. through the most grueling recovery that I, I've ever been through. Um, you know, I had to start from the basics. Like I couldn't shower by myself. I was stuck in a wheelchair because I wasn't able to, um, to weight bear. Yeah. So yeah. I had, I couldn't even go outside on my own. I had to get two guys to pick me up, put me in a wheelchair. Um, so it was, yeah, it was really tough. But through it all, I'm like, the more I push myself, the closer I'm going to be to getting back on my snowboard. Yeah. And yeah. within eight months, even though all my surgeons, because I'm filled with hardware, all my surgeons were like, no, you need to take at least a season off potentially to, I was back on my board eight months later, did not listen. Um, <laughs> when I was, I was like three weeks out from my accident, I contacted the national coach for both cycling and snowboarding and said, I'm going to be on your team. And they're like, oh, that's awesome. When can you come out and train? I'm like, well, you know, I still haven't learned how to walk yet. So, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, call us in six months when you get there. But I was in the hospital for a total of five months. And when I did get back on my snowboard, I was still walking with a cane. Oh wow! So it was it was, it was definitely premature, um, but I you know it was something that I wanted, and I tried out for the national team a year after my accident, still figuring out how to snowboard, no idea. And uh, that year, they announced that they were going to put snowboarding into the Paralympics as a late addition for the 2014 games. Oh, so again, it was that timing, yeah. you know, I, it's all these crazy. Little, it's so crazy. All these little nuances. Yeah. Like I hope, I hope everyone <laughs> listening to this like can pick up on all these little nuances that are just being strung along the way. And this is way there's so much magic in your story. That is just like just said that mere seconds, you know, mere seconds that you had to live. Mere mere seconds, you yep. know, last minute. They add in snowboarding, you know, just all of this stuff. Like, so what was the what was I the know. narrative in your head then going through the process of rehabilitation? Were you using that then, like getting getting there as an athlete, as like the carrot in front of you, or what were you telling yourself? Yeah. Then, then it must yeah. have been hard, you know. It was, it was, and unfortunately, because it was always sport, I put the psychological piece kind of on the back burner. Like, I didn't really deal with the fact that I lost a leg and there's a grieving process when you lose a limb and your body changes and all of a sudden your life changes significantly you have to grieve that loss your old life but I didn't do that I was just like okay I'm gonna get strong I'm gonna get healthy again I went from 124 pounds to 83 pounds like I lost all my muscle mass and so I had I started with like a pound one pound two pound weight around my ankle and I would do leg raises um whereas before you know I could do something like that no problem yeah and so yeah. it was yeah it was a long process to get there and then you know figuring out my snowboarding knee that has box mountain bike shocks I didn't know anything about <laughs> it I I didn't know what my PSI was supposed to be at and so you know I kind of set out on this mission and in 2014, I was able to make that happen when I competed in the Sochi Games, becoming Canada's first female Paralympic snowboarder. But I'll, I'll admit, I had no 
a really, like I was still learning how to snowboard. And it was, you know, for me, it was just more to like gain the experience for the games that just happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there was, there was like a lot of barriers in front of me during those four years, like dealing with my accident and reliving, um, reliving the memories of my accident. Yeah. Did you, do you feel that you suffered any like PTSD at all from that as well? Yeah. So again, because I focused so much on the physical aspect in sport, I, I didn't really deal with my accident until probably about four years after I hit wow. that guardrail. Yeah. And then um, in May of last year, I actually started, I hadn't remembered anything about my accident other than yeah. my out-of-body experience. And after six years, my body started to remember my accident, uh, my, my brain, my yeah. brain released the memories. Yeah. So it, you know, I went from um, just focusing so much on sport, knowing that the games were coming up around the corner. I'd worked four years so it was, well, at that point, three years for it. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, now you have PTSD. Now you're going to relive your whole accident. You're going to yeah. know what it feels like to hit that guardrail again. And it was traumatizing for sure. But it, I believe it was because I finally got to that point in my life where I was strong enough emotionally and mentally to go through that. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and you're, you know, it's like your, your brain, your, you know, it does that as a form of like a protective mechanism, you yeah. know, to, to do that. And yeah, that's, you know, and then, and then you throw in, you know, the coping mechanism and then you throw yourself all in on something to keep yourself distracted, which is great. But yeah, I can't even imagine like, a ton of bricks like that being, you know, hitting you like that because the little the PTSD that I've gone through, you know, and I know what it's like for all of a sudden for your brain to release memories that were, you yeah. had no idea and all of a sudden just out of nowhere it hits you. Was there a trigger point that it, that it came out for you like that all of a sudden or? So I had, I was laying on the couch once just starting to fall asleep and you know how sometimes you just, your body like jolts. Yeah, well, yeah. In that moment, that was when I had, like, my first real flashback. And I was like, wow, okay, what was that? And that yeah. the flashback was me hitting the guardrail. And I was like, wow, okay. And then I decided that I was going to cycle. So one thing I didn't mention is that I, I tried out for the 2016 Summer Paralympics in cycling. And um, I didn't make it, unfortunately. But, you know, I made the development team and went to Germany for World Cups and things like that. And so I I really enjoyed cycling, but I do it with one leg. And hills can be quite challenging doing it with one leg. Yeah. But that summer, after that first flashback, I'm like, you know, I'm going to cycle up this hill, this very steep hill. It's about four kilometers um, that I crashed on. And I'm going to cycle right past my crash scene. Oh, my gosh, girl. And, and, yeah. <laughs> and so I did, and it was very emotional. Um, but I think that was kind of that, – that allowed for me to open up and remember that day. And yeah. in some ways, I encouraged it by by cycling up that hill. I think I was telling myself, okay, I'm ready for this. Yeah. Wow. What about, does the sound of motorcycles at all, like, irk you in any way, or are you cool? Like, 
Oh, no, no. I've been on the back of lots of motorcycles. I actually bought a bike a year after, so a little um, Ninja 250, took it out for one ride. Did you? Yeah, I did. I had to get back on the horse because I I really, at first, I was like, no, motorcycles are awful. Um, You know, I'm never getting back on one. I tell my nieces, you're never allowed to buy a motorcycle. And then I start to, you know, leave rehab for you know a couple days to go home for the weekend i'd see motorcycles out and about and i'm like oh i just miss that so much yeah and so i got back on the horse didn't feel like it was worth the risk instead i bought a dirt bike (laughs) i started ripping around on my dirt bike but i've been on the back since i've been up my crash up past my crash scene on the back of a motorcycle um, yeah, I have no problem with it. And you know what? I'll, I might ride again someday. Probably like yeah. a, a cruiser, maybe a Harley or something. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I get it. Get a maybe get like a big Harley, something with like some more meat on it. You know? <laughs> yeah, or you don't feel like you have to, you know, go a hundred and, and twenty eighty or... kilo- well, hundred and eighty kilometers. Like it's easy to go fast on on yeah. street bikes. Yeah. Not yeah, everybody's like that, but I, I'm definitely like that. So, I yeah, I think I need something a little more chill. Yeah. Still get the enjoyment of the road, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, kudos for you on that because, yeah, it's something, you know, after with, you know, my whole motorcycle episode and stuff, you know, I've, you know, that was the one thing I told Sean. I was like, you can do whatever you want. I don't even care. I said, just don't, you're not gonna get on a motorcycle please no so i mean the <laughs> fact that the fact that you know you actually got i because i was going to ask you about that the fact that you actually got back on the saddle in that wow um you've got bigger kahunas than i do girl <laughs> <laughs> totally so now with training like you you tried out for in 2016 you know you didn't make it and stuff but you just came back um from Pyeongchang and you know what's what you know? We're used to training laws. You know, you know, being in the gym twice a day and everything. What's the training like for, you know, preparing for something like this? Like, how often are you, like, at her and you know, grinding in day in day out? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, my sport because it's still new. Yeah. They, there's not a lot of funding, so I have to work full time. You know, I I do a lot of speaking. I I'm still a realtor, which I was before my accident. Yeah. And so I have to put in quite a bit of time into my job, and I, I, you know, I, I try and incorporate my workouts. And I'm sure you understand, you know, um, being yeah. in the shape that you're in, uh, that you have to find time to be healthy and, and to not put your health on the back burner. So mm-hmm. for me, it's it is a job because there is an, you know, I have sponsors and I have. Um, obligations when it comes to snowboarding. So I'm in the gym roughly about five, five to six days a week, depending. So in the summer is our bulking season. And then in the winter when we're competing, that's our maintaining season. So we're not yeah. in the gym as much. Our workouts aren't as heavy. But in the summer, they're quite heavy. We also chase snow. So we'll go to like Chile, um, Mount Hood in in the summers. And wow. then, um, yeah, and then we also do, like, dry land training, which is, like, BMXing, um, mountain boarding, things like that. Really? And then, yeah, yeah, and then in the winter, 
we have some pretty like this this winter obviously leading into the games we I wasn't home much I probably spent like three weeks home from November to now like I'm not even home now <laughs> I haven't even gone yeah. on yet since the games um, but yeah it's it's on snow usually four, we'll do three days on a day off or four days on a day off so it's it's a quite like about 150 days a year on snow, so wow. it's quite a heavy um, training load. Yeah, that's incredible. Holy. Yeah. So what? Well, you were there. You know, you you um you know you you did Canada proud. Um, you know, you you placed fourth. Am I correct? Yeah, fourth. And yeah. Counting. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's still huge. That's just like already you're at the you're at the cream of the crop. You know, so I mean. And to represent Canada at that level, I mean, that's that's something that you're always going to have that with you. But what was your, what do you think was your favorite memory or experience from being at Pyeongchang? Well, so for me in Sochi, I finished ninth, and it's you know, for me, I just wanted to go to the games again. I wanted to do better. I had a really great season. I was on the podium. I want to say at least three maybe four times this season. So I'm like, I have a shot. I'm ranked third overall in, in my category in the world. And so I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to make, no matter what, I'm going to make Canada proud. And yeah. um, I get there. And of course there's a lot of pressure, especially when you know that there's a, ch- a chance of being on the podium because you want nothing more than to to come home. Like it's it's the buildup. The four years that you put in is for this one event. Yeah. And so I, my, we did two competitions, our two disciplines. We do border cross, which is racing two at a time, and then we do bank slalom. And generally, I'm better at bank slalom. Um, so border cross, my first time trial, which gets you into the heat, which is racing each other. Yeah. I my legs fell off. I came up off a, a jump, off the um, the drop, and my prosthetic leg came right off. And I was like, okay. Oh, <laughs> this oh, what? So I couldn't, I couldn't go around the gates. I couldn't make a time. So I just went right off the course. My second time, I went down. Um, oh, sorry, there was only two runs. But my second time, I was like, hey, this is my last shot. If I want to make heats, if I want to, you know, continue to be in this competition – I need to put a solid run down. Yeah. And so I was just, you know, going down. And I'm like, yeah, this is it. This is fun. This is what I love to do. And I get down to the bottom and I look up and I'm like, oh, my, I just made heat. I'm in heat. <laughs> so oh, I remember going up the gondola and talking. And I was actually supposed to take a snowmobile back up. Yeah. Um, it's a lot quicker, but I just, I zoned out. And I called my boyfriend, Mike, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm in heat. Like, this is the craziest thing. I'm like, no matter what, at this point, because there's only four of us left in the competition, I'm like, I'm going to end up fourth in the world. Like, yeah. this is this is amazing. And I just had this big smile. And unfortunately, in both of my heats, I went down. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm ah. I'm cool yeah. for it. And, you know, it's tough being one spot away from being on the podium, but my competitors are just so fierce and badass that I'm I'm really happy for them. I'm so happy that our sport has progressed the way it, it has. And yeah. so, yeah, it was close, but I'm, I'm okay with it. 
Yeah. Yeah. As you should be. I mean, yeah. that's amazing. This, that you know, like like you said, that moment where you you find out that you know, no matter what, you're going to be fourth in the world. Like fourth in the freaking world. <laughs> like, yeah. It's pretty good. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's like you can go home and, and feel alright, and you know, everyone in Canada is proud and happy and cheering you on, and you know, did, and like, and I guess too, like connecting with people through social media as well, keeping up with your posts and everything. Like, how did that feel? Yeah, I think it's always been important for me to have that support. I didn't have anybody with me at the games, and I didn't have anyone with me in Sochi either. So for me, it was, you know, that, that way of knowing that I had that support back home. And yeah. that kind of kept me going. That kept me calm a lot of the times. And the, though the pressure was definitely still there, I didn't feel as pressured um, every time I, I I went onto my social media and you know I, I would see the comments. Yeah. And so I was really grateful for that and all the love and support that's come my way since. Amazing. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna almost wrap it up here I've got one last um I just want you to tell what would be your message to women about loving themselves yeah I you know again I I went from being a fitness model to waking up looking at myself and thinking you know I look scary I I, you know it's gonna love me like this and I think that we all go through something and often people are like, Oh, I, well, I haven't been through nearly as much as you've been through, but that's, this isn't a competition. We all go through something that defines us, something that shapes us. And so when we see that as, when we turn that tragedy into beauty, I, I think that it really allows for us to see who we are as people and what we're capable of as yeah. women. Yeah. Um, I see my scars as my story. And that's a story of resiliency and strength. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. I am. I, you know, I have my days, of course. But I think that if we can just learn to turn that negativity into something positive, that we're going to be able to um, really embrace our our hard times our hardships yeah love it well we're gonna have something a little bit fun now just for the last little bit here we're going to do a quick little thing that uh, is a rapid fire question round so i'll give you two choices and you pick one this is a quick little fun way to get to know a little bit more about you and yeah so here we go are you ready michelle yes okay so night out night in Night in. Halloween, Christmas. Ooh. Uh, I'd say Halloween. Comedy or action? Comedy. Facebook or Instagram? Ooh, I like, yeah, Instagram, watching the stories. Okay. Sushi or tacos? Tacos, always. <laughs> I live off tacos. Audio books or paperback books? Oh, paperback. I'm old school. Yeah, old school. Awesome. That was the rapid fire round of Michelle. 
And, yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It's giving me enough goosebumps, I think, to last me for a while. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Thank you so much for being on the show, Michelle. And good luck with all of your training and all the best to you. And what are you? What do you have planned next? What do you have your eyes set on next? Oh, I think right now I'm just going to relax, but I – uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna continue chasing um, sports and hopefully the 2020 games for a summer sport and 2022 for snowboarding again. Awesome, and I hope you guys get more yeah. funding as well too. So yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Michelle, and we'll talk soon. So that was another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Don't forget to follow Becoming Unfuckwithable on Instagram and myself, Mindy Harley Official on Instagram, and let me know what you thought. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable. If you believe you're unfuckwithable, go ahead and share this podcast.